everybody, and welcome to the Football Fan Show. I'm joined as always by Carlos. Thank you for joining. And a friend of the show, uh, a regular host as well, a co-host, Dimitro. Thank you for joining as well. So we're going to talk about a couple of things today, but the first one is this man here, Jose Mourinho, one of the most decorated managers in the world. Uh, he's done amazing stuff in different countries, um, but he's had some very interesting results. So we were thinking about it, and the title of today's really is, is Mourinho back to his best? So it's obviously at Tottenham. Um, so let's just get straight into it, Dimitra. What do you think? What is his best? His best is winning titles. So he hasn't won any titles with Tottenham yet. But we were talking about it before the season. I think I said that they would be seventh, right? But I can tell you something. Uh, when you work as a journalist, there is nothing better after the season or even during the season than saying, okay, I got it wrong. Because, you know, so many people are scared of, of it. They think, oh, it shows that you, oh, you made a mistake, you have no clue, blah, 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 and all that stuff. But that is exciting as hell when you just know, okay, so many people are talking about these guys and saying, yeah, his best, his best. And, you know, even those who's, who have never managed even the Sunday League team, <laughs> you know, they, they are giving their opinions on him and all that stuff. And after the first game, we're also talking that it seemed like the message wasn't coming across in that game against Everton. It did remind of some of the games under the Mauricio Pochettino just before he was sacked. And in the first half against Southampton, they weren't that good either. But then the second half happened, something clicked, and then Harry Kane and Son Heung Main started connecting crates in those goals. And I also think, even though it might sound strange, but the, the schedule they had, the calendar they had, helped them because they played more games than other teams. They had more opportunities to try different stuff, to, to have this... Uh, vital experience in, at the beginning of the season when you're playing uh, every three days. And if you think about the League Cup game again, Chelsea, yeah. they weren't good in the first half and they were so good in the second. And here you've got this direct influence of the manager because there was a halftime talk and they improved uh, in the second half and they were deserving winners of that particular tie, even though it wasn't penalties. And Old Trafford, well, I mean, it's almost unfair because when you go to Old Trafford, you're just taking a, a toy from a kid. And just, uh, so, but the West Ham, again, it, it, it was a marvelous performance in the first half. And I also agree with David Moyes when he said that his team played well. Yeah, they were playing well, actually, in the first half. They were attacking, they were creating their chances, they had their opportunities, but Tottenham were so clinical, so efficient. And well, Harry Kane. What, what can what else can you say about him? We knew him as a goal scorer. Now we're looking at playmaker. He's passed. And what happened during those eight minutes? Well, that's another mystery of football. It just happens. It happens. You, you can't predict it. You, you, uh, Mourinho said that football happened, and yeah, he will analyze who wasn't in the right position for the first, for the second, third goal. It just happened. So. We have one of the most exciting starts of the season for this particular club under the manager who supposedly passed his best, boring, defensive and all that. Fair enough. That's a good assessment. Uh, and your thoughts, Carlos? Because it's interesting after this game, so obviously he's, he's talked before the game tonight, 
Alaska, uh, saying uh, well, there's a tag called Spursy, which you may not have heard of, which is basically they're bottlers. So they, they lose a lose a, obviously if they're winning position, they either draw or lose, and they don't win anything. So that's that's what's been said. And he said that they shouldn't be given that title. And they're one of the best teams on the ball. So what's your thoughts on the matter? Is, is Jose Mourinho back up to his best? He definitely sounds confident about it. Well, first of all, about Spursy and about being a team that can't hold on to leads or throw things away or bad things happen to them. They should be a full, they should be Fulham supporters. Then they'd know what that really means. Um, you know, I wouldn't mind I wouldn't mind my team being Spursy. You know, we might be in the top six then. Um no, what I would say about Mourinho is that um, his team has, during some phases of some matches, looked like uh, some of Mourinho's better teams of the past. Um, when the season began and they lost at home to Everton, um, all hell broke loose. It was like uh, they, they, they had committed a major crime, a major sin, and Mourinho lost his rag and there was uh, some comments in the press. But it turns out that Everton aren't a bad team. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is not the, the Everton of this season is not what we expected after the first match. Uh, I don't think Tottenham played all that badly anyway. Only after Everton scored did uh, maybe Spurs look like they uh, lost the will to fight. Mm. Um, but I must say that uh, on the break, They've been lethal uh, with very, very quick and direct attacks. Uh, that is Mourinho's speciality. And he's identified Kane as the provider yeah. and Hon uh, Son with his speed as a player to get uh, on the end of things. And that has been enough so far. But as Dimitro said, in the first half against Southampton, they were very poor. In fact, they should have gone in 2-0 down at half time. And they went in at 1-1. Yeah. And in the second half, was it 1-1 or 1-2? Yeah, I think they weren't losing anyway. Um, and they should have been a couple of goals down because uh, Southampton missed chances. Um, at Old Trafford, again, there were mistakes. Uh, that was the worst defensive performance by Manchester United so far this season. And there's been some bad ones. There's been some howlers. And yet that was the worst one. But what I would say about Mourinho is that um, his tactics are quite simple. But for him to succeed, he needs to get his players on side. They have to be with him. Mm. Before, when he was winning things with Chelsea, with Inter, um, the players would walk through walls for him. Yeah. They would do anything for him. Then his character got the best of him and he started having arguments and... Uh, and, and um, feuds within the dressing room. And since he started behaving like that, the success is gone, it's disappeared. Mm. For the moment, it looks like Tottenham's squad is backing him. And that's why we're seeing what we're seeing. But how long will it last? Only Mourinho knows. Yeah, and this guy, this guy about that, it's interesting because at the start, remember, and this is something which I want to really get into, is uh, he, um, criticised his players, remember that. He criticised the players, um, uh, the Doherty, who'd just come to the club. Uh, he just uh, started talking about the positioning of the players and all the rest of it. 
and we thought that'd be uh, all hell would break loose with the you know dress room. But it seemed that people have backed him and, and carried on. We haven't heard of any rumblings particularly. We heard that the players were upset, but I think that's all been squashed now. So thinking of our situation going forward, Dimitro, what, what are the kind of components of making or what make Jose Mourinho at his best or bring him to the kind of stuff which brings him loads of titles? Well, apparently he's never lost uh, his capacity to analyze things and be very meticulous in preparation. Uh, that support that Carlos mentioned is really, really important. It's huge for any manager, let alone the manager who is going from one of the biggest clubs in Portugal to a club that wanted at that moment to be one of the biggest in the Premier League because we remember that. They haven't won the title since 1955 and he came in to deliver and he delivered it in his very first season. Inter Milan and Real Madrid, especially Real Madrid. Real Madrid is a club, we mentioned, I think, that before in one of the videos. Real Madrid is a club where no one can be bigger than Real Madrid and he wanted that. That was one of the problems he had there. Uh, because the problems there are numerous, but it, it was one of those. Man United probably was a bit even easier for him to pit Man United at the time, but still, still, he in a way he wanted to be probably on the same level with the club brand or whatever. But Tottenham, the club that well haven't won much, and uh, that's the guy who probably can still try to push him onto it and uh, to try to get him uh, to realize their potential. And some probably will say overachieve at the moment because we can again talk at length about what Spurs did under Pochettino and whether they overachieved or whether they actually were playing up to their potential. But that consistency of analysis and and meticulousness and preparation has always been there at every club but the chemistry in the squad or in the club is very important for him at this particular moment we know what happened to Deli Alli after yeah. those first few games of the season now they've got Gareth Bale back it is crucial for Mourinho to get this guy on his side yeah. and if they have this, if they have this atmosphere, a kind of relaxed atmosphere, but still, if they want to be competitive, if they, uh, because potentially, yeah, they're ready to be competitive. If they want to be competitive, if they want to go on and win those games and in the league and in other competitions, that'll be a side that already, they already show it in, in glimpses. They would be a side really worth watching. And, I don't remember when was the last time I could say that about a team managed by Jose Mourinho. Yeah, that's good. That's good. And I, I like that. And so, we, so we've established that one of the main components for him is that he gets the backing of the squad and, and they're behind him 100%. And then they believe in his philosophy. I suppose that's the same for most managers, right? Um, what, what other components do you think are important, Carlos, to Jose Mourinho being at his best where he's doing the stuff he's done in other clubs? Well, uh, I think the uh, backing of the squad is is the number one, um, because he he's very strict 
he's very strict with his players. He's very demanding. Uh, in a in a Bielsa-like way, he's very demanding, but a very different manager and a very different character. Um, but you see, things have to be going well for any team to continue believing in a coach who is so demanding. Now, I would say that Mourinho, who has won so many things, um, has been fortunate enough to have always been at teams that are likely or were likely winners, mm. you see. At Porto, he had a great team. In Portugal, they were dominant. Yes, it's true that he won the Champions League with Porto, and that seems like an amazing achievement. But looking back, you see the team that he had, and it was fantastic. Yeah. Most of those players went on to succeed in the Premier League and in Italy. And in Spain, some of them. So it wasn't a miracle. He had a, a brilliant team. Uh, then he went to Chelsea, where um, the investment was huge. And one could argue that they were the strongest team. He's always been at the, either the strongest or the second strongest team. Um, from Chelsea, he went to Italy. I'm oh, sorry, and I must also say that Ranieri laid the foundations for that championship winning season as well. Yeah. Um, then into Milan, um, anyone could have coached them to winning the Italian league because it was in the middle of Calciopoli when Juventus and Milan had been weakened. Um, they'd been punished. Juventus had been relegated to the second division. Milan had been uh, docked. I can't remember how many points. So players left the two teams. So the only major team that was left in Italy was Inter Milan. And a lot of the top players that left Juventus and Milan went to Inter. So how could they not win the Italian league? Then he went to Real Madrid and, okay, three seasons. Yes, Barcelona were at their peak. It was the Guardiola years. They were fantastic. But to be at Real Madrid three years and not win one league title is not common. It's not common. And uh, and then obviously Manchester United, but he, he went to Manu when um, they were at, um, well, he went to Chelsea. He went back to Chelsea and won the league. That, that was a, a terrific achievement. And then he went to Manu, a team that was trying to get back to where it was. So even though I'm, I'm not saying that there's no merit, obviously there is huge merit in what he's done. But the measure of a good manager is when he goes to, for instance, had he gone to Manu in the, state that they were in and in two seasons managed to win the league then you would have said god that is a great achievement yeah or if he had been manager of leicester and won the league the same way as uh, ranieri did you would have said fantastic but he's always been at the right place at the right time mm. yeah that's good i like that um and it's interesting because there's been comparisons made dimitro uh to jose Mourinho, to argentine manager Elena Herrera. Uh, what, what, for the viewers, most people wouldn't know who he is. So uh, what, what's the comparisons and why, why, why are people doing that? Why are they comparing him to that, that, that manager? Well, uh, probably because Elena Herrera, with his Inter Milan side, won the European Cup as well, and Jose Mourinho won it with Inter Milan. Probably it's because of the style, because it's also important to remember that Elena Herrera coached Barcelona, before he actually ended up in Italy and built that Inter Milan side that 
was so prolific in the 60s and uh, in a way, yes, uh, their style wasn't very exciting. <laughs> so uh, probably a lot of people enjoyed Celtics win in 1967 of the Inter Milan simply because, yes, it was an attacking team that uh, played until the end. And even though they considered the first goal in Lisbon, they scored those two and they won the European Cup. But Herrera was strict. He was meticulous in his preparation. Actually, we, we can talk about other managers you can compare him to in Italy in the same period, like Nereo Rocco, who was working with uh, Milan. We can go on and just uh, find examples in almost every country. Uh, even you can say that, well, the way Don Rivet was preparing his team uh, for the opponents in the league, it was, it was something similar to what, because over the years, the greatest managers were doing so many similar things in so many different uh, countries, even though they were from different cultures. Uh, so I think that's where the comparison comes in. Uh, style, uh, they both coached Inter Milan to the win uh, in the Euro, to the title in the European Cup. But, well, probably there, there isn't much in it as well, but just a, a comparison. One of one of the many, I'd say. Okay, good. Anything to add to that, Carlos? Uh, yes, um, uh, Elenio Herrera was regarded as uh, and was a very defensive manager, and Mourinho in general is considered to be very defensive. Although I must say that his um, early Chelsea team played four-three-three mm. with two wingers and a centre forward, and and they they were fairly attacking. They were fairly positive. So it, it was only in later years that Mourinho started becoming more defensive. Now, Elenio Herrera is uh, credited with having invented Catenaccio, although that's not true. But he was the man who, shall we say, exposed it on uh, a large um, European-wide uh, scale. Um, People nowadays and journalists will usually say, when a team is defensive, they'll say, at least in Spain, I don't know if it happens in England, they say, oh, they're playing Catenaccio just because it's defensive. That's not true. Catenaccio is a very specific tactic. It is man-to-man -man marking with a sweeper, you mm -hmm. see. So just sitting back and, and, and waiting and, and trying to defend is not Catenaccio. But um, Elino Herrera adopted that style, which was used by Rapan and the... Uh, and uh, many other coaches, in the, even in the 40s and 50s. Um, but uh, no, for me, Mourinho has modelled his character on Brian Clough. Not his footballing um, philosophy, but his character. I think that Mourinho probably knew about Brian Clough and said, I'm going to do some of that. Because <laughs> it'll, it'll give me... It'll give me fame. In the same way as Muhammad Ali uh, told a story once that there was a, a wrestler that he saw when he was a boy called Gorgeous George, yeah. who was always bragging and shouting and, and, uh, and predicting what round he would win. And Muhammad Ali said, if I ever become a boxer, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe Mourinho did something similar. Now, obviously... Footballing-wise, there's a huge difference. Not only because Clough always tried to play attacking football with his teams, but also because he did it and he won with small teams. 
teams that were unlikely to win anything. And yet he won the league with both Derby and Nottingham Forest. He won the, the European Cup twice with Nottingham Forest and he reached the European Cup semi-final with Derby County. I, I just got a question now because uh, do you think uh, that we are now being a bit unfair to the managers like Jose when we mentioned this thing that they went to great clubs because the situation has changed radically. And now, in order, because yeah, when Clough was managing, Derby County, well, had a chance to win the league. Nottingham Forest had a chance to win the league. Now, we can talk all we want about top six, and uh, there is no top six in Premier League. Even the, okay, now we've got Everton and Aston Villa up there. That's great. That's a good start to the season. But historically, realistically, there is no top six in the league. We can all talk about Leicester again and how they won it. But is it more difficult now for any manager? even the manager like Guardiola, like uh, Jose Mourinho. And when we demand that they would go to Derby County and win the title, aren't we being a bit unfair? Uh, because naturally, they go where they're being paid good salaries. They go to the clubs and can provide them good budgets. That's the reality of football now. So... Yes, but Clough is one of the greatest. But still, I think Mourinho can be up there uh, just simply because so much has changed uh, since the times when Brian Clough was winning his titles and, uh, and European Cups, of course. Yeah. I mean, I, on my personal thoughts, I'll let Carlos throw in. I think what uh, Carlos said earlier is where I stand on Mourinho. I think right place, right time. 100%. I think... The Porto situation is, was 100% that with the Champions League. And the Champions League elevated him to worldwide status. Everyone knew who he was then. And then it went on from there. Chelsea, same situation. At the time, Chelsea were the only club with a billionaire who put their hands in their pockets. Now that's completely different. So. Yeah, but Malcolm, look, André Villas-Bosch also went to Chelsea after winning a European trophy with Porto. And it didn't last long. And we can also talk about some other managers who probably went to bigger clubs in different countries from, from clubs like Porto or Benfica or whatever. And they failed. Yeah, absolutely. If we, if we judge it. So it's not, yeah, it, it is very important to be at the right place at the right time, <laughs> especially for a guy like Mourinho, who, well, he never played football professionally. He dedicated all his life to... Uh, studying the coaching and then managing the teams in Portugal and uh, and abroad. So, of course it is. But the, the, what I'm saying there is that these days there are less right places maybe than yeah, 30, 40, and even 50 years ago. Absolutely. And even if you're in the right, like, like you said, even if you're in the right place at the right time doesn't mean you're going to succeed. You know, how many people have managed Man City um, uh, in the early kind of times before Pep came along and other people and, and didn't do anything? It's, it's one of those things. Um, I think Mourinho, and this is a kind of question I'll put back to you, uh, Mourinho is one of the greatest managers of all time with the stuff he's done and in the spaces he's done it. But I still think that, like as has been said by Carlos, if he was in a different situation, like a Derby County today or Nottingham Forest today 
Or let's let's just put him in another club. So Tottenham, let's take him out of Tottenham. You put him in Southampton today. Realistically, is he going to win the league? Probably not. Is he going to win anything? Probably not. Uh, even with his skills that he's got. He may get them to overachieve and get them to the top half. But the other things, is, I think there's too many barriers. But then we could go all around like that. Look at Ancelotti of Everton. Look at Everton, what they're doing. Now, we've talked about this in another episode, but the, probably they're going to peter out. But they're top of the league for a reason. Ancelotti is one of my favourite managers of all time. He's doing something exceptional with players who were around the year season before and some of them the season before that. Uh, and so there's all that kind of, you know, conundrum as well to think about. So, you know, it's a, it's a good question, though. Um, anything you want to add to that, Carlos, before I move on? Um, yes, obviously, I'm not saying that just because you're at the right place at the right time and because you're at a big club that you are bound to win. You still have to do the right things yeah. to win. And he did. I'm not taking credit away from him. All I'm saying is that life was slightly easier for him than for a lot of other managers. Yeah. Um, also, the year he wins the Champions League with Porto, the finalist was Monaco. Yeah. So what kind of Champions League season was that? Uh, all I'm saying is that it was slightly easier. Yeah. Um, obviously, Monaco... Uh, must have had uh, a great team and, uh, and and played a great campaign in order to get there. But um, but it's not quite the same, is it? It's not quite the same beating Monaco in the final uh, mm -hmm. than beating another team. Um, also along the way, well, there was a lot of controversy along the way when Porto beat Manchester United and they beat Deportivo de la Coruña. Uh, but anyway, uh, as I said, um, you still have to do the job and he did. I actually think that his biggest test is now at Tottenham because you wouldn't expect Tottenham to win the league. No. But if he manages that, if he does it, then I will take my hat off to him. And one more thing I would say, do you remember, Dimitro, when um, Pellegrino went to Malaga? Oh, yeah. And, and uh, Mourinho um, mocked him and, uh, and said, I would never go to a team like Malaga. Now, Malaga, were they played Champions League in those years. Quarterfinalists. Yeah. So, I, was, um, I was in Malaga for the first game against Borussia Dortmund in 2013. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. One could say that he has, in fact, gone to a Malaga now, hasn't he? Well, yeah. Well, the, the, the colors are similar. The, the climate isn't, of course, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. To, to the Malaga of those years, not now, obviously, not yeah, before. Apparently, yeah, yeah. yeah. And actually, 2003 and four Champions League, Malkin would remember it really well because Arsenal, an absolutely fantastic side, they somehow managed to lose to Chelsea. It's not that Chelsea played badly, but Arsenal were so dominant, even in the first leg in Stamford Bridge. And they yeah. were 1 0 up after Jose Antonio Reyes scored in the second. So it was like, okay, they threw to the semi final. That's their, that's their chance. I was thinking that. <laughs> yeah, fair um, enough. Yeah, don't remind me. Uh, <laughs> And at least example though. But no, look, no, look, we've Arsenal have thrown a lot of things over the past. And uh, yeah, let's not get into that. <laughs> so uh, we'll go back to Mourinho. So talking about this situation, okay. So we've talked about worst philosophies, we've talked about um what the stuff he's done, my place, right time, and that argument. But realistically now, looking back at the situation now, Dimitro, would you consider him one of the greatest managers of all time? Uh, well. You know, remembering all we, the stuff is one. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, if, if we, for me, it's a bit, bit more than just winning trophies, honestly. Uh, if we were talking about that, uh, of course, you just, you just see the list and that's it. But for me also, uh, it's very important to leave some, some sort of a legacy, like Rinus Michels did when he managed the Yucks and the Dutch national team. And there were very few managers who, who did that in their careers. Yeah. And some of them, okay, they, they probably didn't win that much. Like Raymond Goethals, one of the best Belgian uh, managers of all time. Uh, he, well, he did win eventually the European Cup with Olympique de Marseille. Uh, but uh, he was I don't, he was in his late 60s, probably even early 70s, but early, late 60s, I think, uh, at, at the time. So there were managers who were living something in terms of the yeah, style of play or school of thought. Uh, like Johan Cruyff, for example, he yeah. won one European Cup with Barcelona and he lost the final to a guy who was selling that victory then for 20-odd years. So... Uh, Johan Cruyff, for me, is the only person in the history of football who was a great player and a great manager. Yeah. Just because so many of his players from that Barcelona site went into management. And not only Guardiola, of course, you, you take that team. Even Stoichka was a manager, and you would never <laughs> think of that at, at the time. Laudrup, Kuman now is managing Barcelona, Chapi Ferrer, Abelardo. They, they all were managers. And that just shows you the legacy that Cruyff left with him, you know, that book <laughs> that just makes you think about football, analyze football, and uh, uh, that's what he did. So we'll just see how many players, because now Frank Lampard, who worked with Mourinho, is uh, now managing John Terry's assistant uh, at Aston Villa, so we'll see how, how they will do. Again, the times are changing. It's a bit different probably for, uh, for, for, for players now to make that transition uh, to managing. But uh, it, in terms of that, I think Jose can still be somewhere on the way yeah, <laughs> to yeah, yeah. this list because we'll, we'll see how it will uh, shape up because so far, well, if we only talk about the titles, obviously, he should be on the list, but then everyone can have uh, an opinion about that. Yeah, no, that's a good one. And I agree with you on Jan Cruyff. I mean, yeah, I don't think many people would say he's not one of the greatest managers of all time. Um, but looking at the, what you said then, coming to you, Carlos, uh, with the argument, then you could say almost people like Wenger on the list, because obviously he revolutionised things in England. Uh, he, he won a lot of English stuff, but he didn't win anything in Europe. Apart, you know, he didn't win anything. So... There's that to think about, but also there's Ancelotti as well. Ancelotti is a great player and a manager as well. So there's, there's that kind of people in the mix as well, if you're talking about that kind of thing. But what's your thoughts on it anyway, Carlos? Do you, do you think he's one of the greatest managers ever? Is he on that list? I think we have to establish what criteria we use to okay. decide what makes you the greatest manager or one of the greatest managers. If it's purely statistical, mm. then yes. But I think a manager will be remembered for what he did um, in a footballing style. For instance, Tele Santana is remembered in Brazil. They didn't win the 1982 World Cup. They didn't win the 1986 World Cup. 
But everyone remembers that Brazil team as one of the greatest footballing sides in history. Then he went on to manage Sao Paulo, where he won two Libertadores, the equivalent of the Champions League, and twice beat the Champions League winners. He yeah. beat Johan Cruyff's Barcelona with Sao Paulo and then beat Milan. Yeah. Uh, um, so, yes, Dimitro? No, the, the game against Barcelona, it was one of the best games I've ever seen. It was yeah. uh, Milan. It was even easy because it was managed by Capello, so he just like beating the kid <laughs> in the park. But uh, no, uh, that Barcelona. I remember I had to wake up because it was like seven a.m. or something. The game was in Japan. I had to wake up to watch it, and I was sitting like, "Oh my god, oh my god!" And Barcelona win their prime. It was a '92 team, uh, dream team. Johan Cruyff, Sao Paulo just outplayed them. Supposedly, Barcelona were going to slaughter Sao Paulo. Yeah, yeah. But Sao Paulo didn't win in the way that some underdogs win by sitting back and countering. No, no, they, they took the ball off Barcelona and they outplayed them. Yeah. If anyone wants to have a look, um, that was the uh, 1992 uh, Intercontinental Cup in Japan. They can find it on the internet. Have a look at that match. It's a beautiful game of football. Now, um, also... You have to look at managers who not only have left a footballing legacy, you have to also think of coaches who um, created something, a style, who, who uh, started a, a tradition and a philosophy. Um, and if you do something like that, you have to think of uh, Rinos Michels, the Dutch um, manager who managed Ajax and Holland. Because without Brinos Michels, we wouldn't have had Johan Cruyff's Barcelona. And without Johan Cruyff's Barcelona, we wouldn't have had Guardiola's Barcelona, Guardiola's Bayern Munich, and Guardiola's Manchester City. Um, Valery Lobanovsky, who was a genius in the 70s, and I'm sure Dimitro could talk about him for hours, uh, a genius who applied mathematics and chess to football, didn't he, Dimitro? At least that's what's said. Well, his scientific approach, yeah, he was one of the first. But actually, it's again, it's we, we can talk about it for hours, that's true, because at the time when Rinus Michels was with Ajax, Lobanovsky was doing his work uh, with Dynamo Kiev. And uh, in the west of Ukraine, you could get the signal from the Hungarian television. They were broadcasting some European games. Of course, you couldn't get that in the Soviet Union. So he was sending one of his assistants to record those games, to have an access to the video of the... Uh, games where Ajax also played and they were so sort of working simultaneously on similar things uh, probably a different approach but it is uh, for me uh, very symbolic that in 88 these two coaches actually met in the Euro Euro European Championship final and Netherlands beat Soviet Union managed by Labanovsky for two goals to nil but I say which they had met back in the 70s when they're still with their clubs. Yeah, it's another topic, but yeah, that's true. That's what Carlos is saying. Yeah, it's, uh, it, was, it was an absolutely new approach. Unfortunately, these days, the club has abandoned it completely and it's in ruins. But again, it's another, another topic. I would also say that in order to think about the great managers in history, you have to go way back in history yeah. because they were the 
fathers of what we have today. Yeah. For instance, uh, Gustav Sebes, a Hungarian of the 50s. But you, you have to go back even further. Vittorio Pozzo, who was manager of um, um, Italy in the 34 and 38 World Cup. You see, these coaches invented new tactics. You're not getting much inventions nowadays. What we are getting are variations of what already exists. But these coaches I'm talking about were actually starting new ideas. And, of course, you have to think of someone like Jimmy Hogan, who was English but had Scottish influences in the 1920s and 30s. He was responsible for Central European football being the best in the world at that time. He was responsible. There's a statue of Jimmy Hogan in Budapest. Without, he is regarded as a father of the great Hungarian team. Without Jimmy Hogan, we wouldn't have had the Hungary of the 50s. We wouldn't have had Holland of the 70s. We wouldn't have had the Barcelona of the 90s. We wouldn't have had Spain of the last decade or so. So that's why I think the further back you go, the more credit you have to go uh, give these coaches. No, no, that's, that's a good point, and I'll take that on board. I think uh, let's, let's, uh, I think we've covered quite a lot today, so it's been great. So the question now is that in Jose Mourinho's situation right now at Tottenham, is he going to achieve titles? What's your thoughts, Dimitro? And I'm not talking about the league, because that's maybe a bit of a step too far, but I'm talking more just even the League Cup, FA Cup, Europa League, Champions League. What's oh. your thoughts? I think I sent Carlos a message after that crazy Premier League round when uh, Aston Villa beat Liverpool 7-2. And it was a 6-1 as well. It's all Trafford. And I say, we had some good old first division. (laughs) If it it goes like that, why not? Because then you really have... Because the thing is, when I was saying, there is no top six, genie in top six. It's because back in the day, well, you couldn't predict what would happen in any given round of the season. Yeah. Was, uh, and Carlos also reminded me of the biggest uh, win in the history of Fulham when they won 10-1 and the very next day, because it was Christmas. Uh, 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 it was Bank Holiday. It was a program, yeah. Christmas yeah, it was, Bank, it was, Boxing Day. Yeah, it was on the Boxing Day. On the uh, very next game against the same opponent, they, they, they just got beaten. Yeah. <laughs> heavily, heavily. Yeah, yeah. And then they, <laughs> and they beat him 10-1 at home. So the thing is, if it goes like a, it is crazy, but that's how football used to be. Unpredictability in every, uh, English top division, unpredictability in, the, in every round. Not like now or just a few years ago when you just sit before the end of the season. Oh, yeah, it's going to be very, very exciting. Is it Mon City or Liverpool? Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely exciting now. No, I'm a, it can be exciting because there are a lot of great players in those sides, of course. But if you really want that title race would keep you on your toes until the end. We had some good signs this season because <laughs> Aston Villa betting 7-2 current champions that's something amazing, something tremendous. So if it goes like that, then why not? But if it still, well, gets back to whoever has more money wins, then of course when Spurs probably 
wouldn't be any contention. And for the cops, well, the, the, we mentioned that win or again, Chelsea in the League Cup, it was a great win for me. So they're in it, they're in the quarterfinal. You can, you, you can go on and you can try. And Europa League, well, it's a, it's a long competition. The group is okay for them. Of course, they should qualify from that group. Even though they have some interesting opponents like Antwerp, uh, who are uh, trying to get better and they are getting better in the league. But Ludigoritz is a, quite a competitive side as well. As for Lask, well, they were unfortunate last season when they were fined before the second half of the Austrian league started, but after lockdown, they were fined for spying on their opponents. So Marcelo Bielsa could right. take note of that. They were. Uh, no, I'm lying here. I think they were fined for... No, I'm lying here, yeah. They were fined for doing the training when they were not allowed to train. That's it. So they were fined some points and, and they were top of the table playing some absolutely brilliant football. And after that, it was Salzburg again who won the title. So they were that close to the title uh, last season. And uh, they also lost to Man United heavily in the Europa League. Uh, so, but it's an interesting team. So, But still, yeah, Tottenham should qualify. And then, well, it will depend on the draw, who you get. And, and we, we don't even know when the final will be. Because right now it just can it can be next August. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. What's your thoughts, Carlos, on this as well? Do you do you honestly think that um, well, Mourinho's got what it takes to get Tottenham back up there, league-wise, and also with regards to the cups they're involved in? I, I I don't think he'll win the league. I'm fairly certain of that. Um, he could win a cup. But he stands the same chance as many other teams. Um, I actually think that possibly he's got only one bite at the cherry. Maybe this will be his last season. Or maybe one more because he never stays more than three seasons anyway. So this is his second season. Or one and a half or just one and three quarters. Uh, So we'll see. I actually believe that um, Mourinho's next stop isn't going to be at a club. I think it's going to be at a national team. Um, mm-hmm. Because I, I think he's run uh, as far as he can go at club football. Yeah. And uh, where else is he going to go now? If he comes to Spain, he's not going to go to Barcelona. They're not going to have him. I suppose there could be a chance at someone like Juventus. Yeah. But, but in England... That's it. Manu, Chelsea, he's been at now, Tottenham. I don't think anyone else will take him now. No. no, uh, no. I, I think he's holding out for the Portugal job. It, after the European Championships, um, whether Portugal do well or badly, I think the coach might go. Okay. If they win, because, you know, what else has he got to prove? He would have won two consecutive titles. Uh, and if if he loses, it could be a disgrace. It would <laughs> very exaggerated, of course. And then Mourinho could step in. If he's free, if he's available, they might want him. I think that's his next step. And um, no, as I said, he won't win the title at Spurs. Uh, he might win a cup, but uh, I wouldn't put any money on it. And just before I finish, uh, we were talking about great managers of the past. And I think it would be wrong not to mention Herbert Chapman. Yeah, thank you very much. Again, an inventor uh, of the... WN system. Um, as I was saying, coaches then were actually inventing new things. 
Yeah. Thank you very much. Good, good one. I like that one. Have you got anything else to add, Dimitri? No, actually, no. We, we, we could do the two or three hours talking about great managers of the past and uh, the influences and yeah. who influenced whom and how. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That'll be for another episode. Okay, brilliant. So thank you so much, both of you. Thank you, Carlos and Dimitri, for your contributions. Uh, we'd like to know your thoughts on the situation, Mourinho. Is Jose Mourinho back at his best? Is he delivering what you'd expect with the team like Tottenham? You get them to overachieve. We know they've had ups and downs. It's been an, uh, a season of massive wins, uh, massive a situation where they were ahead and they couldn't hold the lead, and a situation where, for example, they lost their first game at home. So it's it's going to be an unpredictable season all round. But is Joseph Mourinho back his best to take Tottenham all the way? We'd we'll love to hear your thoughts on the matter. Don't forget to like and subscribe, and thank you for listening. Thank <laughs> you.